Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I admit I'm a grace guy, understanding, comprehending as much as I can, which is very limited as you look at the whole scope of grace. But grace has just changed my life entirely. I've written books about grace, most of my teachings about grace. This podcast is called Grace to All. And at our meetings with our group here in Lawrence, Kansas, where I live, I generally close the meeting by saying, grow in grace, which is what the Apostle Peter wrote at the end of his second letter, Second Peter. And it occurred to me the other day that some people might ask the question, why? Why would I even want to grow in grace? You know, and that's a legitimate question. Back in 2002, which was about 11 years after a group of us started our church now, my son-in-law was a youth pastor then, and he put together a group of people to go to Mexico to build some houses for people who were literally living on the edge of trash heaps, dumps, really. And they were, they were living in cardboard shacks and just existing off of forging through the trash heaps to get food and whatever they could. And so there was an organization, a ministry in El Paso, they're probably still there, that put together teams who would come there, go over the border into Mexico, and they had it worked out with the government where they could take building supplies, you know, concrete and lumber and things like that over and build these houses. So we put together this team to go, and you have to pay for the building supplies when you get there. And at the time, we needed about $2,000. <laughs> building supplies go a long way in impoverished places like that than they do here. Well, we needed the $2,000, so trying to figure out a way to do that. Before we started the church with my career in music, I'd made several different LPs, recordings, with my band. And so I took some of the songs off of five of those LPs, put them onto a CD in 2002, and then took it around to places where I'd used to play with my band. And, you know, and we just sold them almost door to door, but a lot of it downtown in our community at stores and stuff like that to raise the money. And sure enough, we sold enough in a short amount of time to raise 2000 bucks. Well, in the process of that, I went to a nightclub where I used to play a lot with my band. And I went there and I asked the owner of it. I said, you have a lot of people who still come here who remember my band and everything. Would you consider selling these CDs, five bucks a piece on consignment? And we'll make a little display and everything. And all the money will go to help build houses for homeless people living in a trash dump in Mexico. Seemed to me like a no-brainer. And the guy looked at me and he said, why would I want to do that? I thought, well, maybe I didn't explain myself well enough. So I went through it all again, you know, how needy the people were and all this kind of stuff. And he said, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, no condemnation on him. We just had very different ways of thinking. And he didn't see that as being any benefit to him. Why would he want to do it? 
So obviously he didn't. And, you know, we shook hands and I went on to the next place. But it occurred to me it could very well be the same way with people who hear grow in grace and they would think, well, why would I want to do that? I mean, what does it even mean? Well, that's a good place to start. (laughs) Grace has many, 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 many definitions. It's like a multifaceted diamond. When you look at it, you can, every different way you look at it, however the light shines on it, you're going to see something different. One of the definitions of grace is that grace is God's unconditional, all-powerful love continually empowering us to work all things out for the good and to bring about God's ultimate goal of restoration of all things and all people. And in the process, God's grace is just lavished on us. His riches and blessings are lavished on it, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, on both the righteous and the unrighteous, what we would deem the good people and the bad people. So God's grace is just always there for us. Now, today, I want to continue to look at some different stages of spiritual growth. This isn't that you get to be where you're better than you were before or better than anybody else. This is just a progression of how we grow in grace. And I want to go back to a verse that I touched on last time we talked. It's Matthew 18, verses 1 to 5. This is the Passion Translation. And Jesus is in a place where he and the disciples are hanging out. And it says, the disciples asked Jesus, who's considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Heaven's kingdom realm is here and now. It's the kingdom of God. It's the unseen realm that's very real and is eternal and is all around us. And we're all in it. We just don't all have eyes to see it and ears to hear it and to understand what's going on there. So Jesus didn't answer their question. Rarely did he do that. Instead, he called a little child to his side and he said to him, learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a little child, You'll never be able to enter in. And I believe a better translation there would be, you'll never be able to even understand it or even see it. He goes on to say, whoever continually humbles himself to become like this little child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm here and now. And he says, if you tenderly care for this little one on my behalf, you're tenderly caring for me. Well, as we talked about last week, it certainly seems to me that Jesus is saying there, Don't even think about who's going to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm to experience it, to even experience it to begin with. It's there. We're in it. But to grasp it, to experience, to see it at all, you got to be like a little child, which means seeing God the Father as your father, like a little child sees their father. And if a father is operating in his full faculties and he's not strung out on something or got some ulterior motives or whatever, a father is going to be good to his little children and love them and enjoy them. So the point Jesus made all the time in his ministry was introducing us to God as Papa, as our father. Many people, unfortunately, I was one of them. I believed this and I taught that. We believe that the starting point, the foundational place for spirituality to start is fear. 
I believed and I taught that Proverbs 1-7 said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That belief, that teaching has harmed a lot of sincere people. Now, there are two reasons why that's not true. And I used to be one of the people who said, well, it's right there in the Bible. The Bible clearly says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, I'd never researched hardly. Well, I hadn't researched anything. We've learned, and you've heard me talk, that we've learned from Brian Simmons, translator of the Passion Translation. Uh, we learned from Francois Detoit, the translator of the Mirror Bible. I personally learned from Rabbi Lapkin and others that the word fear is an absolute incorrect translation there from the Hebrew. Rabbi Lapkin told me straight up when I asked him this, he said, no, it doesn't mean fear. That's not the way we see it. That's not the way that we read it. He says the Jewish people, and he's a rabbi, very respected rabbi worldwide, he said it means to live in complete awe and adoration of God with no fear at all. You can look in your Bible commentaries and in Strong's and different places, and it will say to fear God. Those are all man's definitions based on people writing that with an agenda, with a preconceived idea of a theological bent towards what God is like. It's not true at all. And second, that was written millennia before Jesus finished work at the cross, a time when Jesus came and said, not a single one of you knows the Father or me, Jesus. They for sure didn't know God in large part because they feared him. And Jesus said over and over again, have no fear, no fear, do not fear. And of course, we learn from the apostle John, the apostle of love in 1 John 4, that there is no fear in God's perfect love. As a matter of fact, when we understand and grasp and experience and comprehend the revelation of God's perfect love, that casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And there is no punishment in God's perfect love. All right. So the starting point of growing in grace, of spiritual growth, of spiritual maturity is not the fear of God. It's actually, as Jesus said, seeing God the Father as a little child sees their papa. And we learned that Jesus wants us to tenderly care for those who are childlike, just beginning to know God, and never teach them to fear God, but instead to live in complete awe and adoration of God, to enjoy their heavenly papa. All right, first step in spiritual growth, first progression in spiritual growth even to be able to grasp it, is to see God as a loving papa, like a little child sees their loving daddy. The second one, my understanding, is to see Christ in you, which means no separation at all. If you believe there's any separation at all between you and God, any separate, if you believe God's up there, out there, you know, watching you with a critical eye, all of these kinds of things, it's impossible to grow in grace. Colossians 1.27, the Apostle Paul, who had been a Jewish Pharisee uh, in the Sanhedrin, leader of the movement against Jesus and against the church, and then Jesus appeared to him, he wrote this in Colossians 1.27. He said, living within you is the Christ who floods you 
with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles who'd never heard of Jesus, most of whom didn't even know anything about the Jewish religion. And he told them the mystery that God revealed to him that Christ is in everyone. As a matter of fact, he said in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, it said, it pleased God the Father to reveal Christ in me where he had been from my birth. And he said, it pleased God the Father to send me out to reveal Christ in the Gentiles, everybody else in the whole world. So the second part of being able to grow in grace is seeing that Christ is in you and there is no separation. That one verse there, Colossians 1.27, gives us a great reason why we should even want to grow in grace. He says, this mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for God's people. And we're all God's people. And God wants everyone to know that. A great reason for us to want to grow in grace is to access this heavenly treasure chest of hope and all the riches of glory, all the riches of grace, all the God's riches in the heavenly realms that we already have. We access those things by growing in grace. Then we're ready to grow a little more. I want to take you to a passage here in Ephesians 4, 9 through 15, and I won't take a long time teaching through it, but it really helps us understand, I think, what we're talking about here. That's a huge part of what growing in grace is, leading us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church, for his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. A huge part of this growing in grace process is realizing, first of all, our oneness with God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. No separation ever, no separation at all, no chance of separation. We are one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and one with each other. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 4, every member of the body of Christ, which is everyone, we are all in Christ, Christ is in all and for all and above all and through all. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up, we grow, we mature, and we are made perfect in love. Then he goes on to say, he's appointed some with grace to be apostles. Remember, grace is pure, unconditional love, continually in action, working at all things for the good for all people, in concluding with the restoration of all. He's appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. That's traditionally been called the fivefold ministry. Unfortunately, it's also been traditionally taught as a hierarchy with there being a pecking order there and some being the most important and then people who don't have those gifts at all not even being in the hierarchy. That's organized religion and it's not at all what this meant. Paul goes on to say their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up 
the body of Christ. We're all called to do things to help people grow. And I believe that there are spiritual gifts, but I believe we all have all the spiritual gifts, and God empowers us to use them for the benefit of everybody in any particular situation that he calls us to. We might be very much introverted. We might not ever see ourselves as an evangelist at all. But when God puts us sitting across a table from someone that God wants us to tell our experience of our relationship with him, he will empower us and give us the spiritual gift of evangelism for that moment, for that time, for that person. And as we participate with him and partner with him and say what he tells us to say and do what he tells us to do, we'll literally be able to go, wow, I don't know where this is coming from, but it's not me. I would never have thought to do this or been able to do it. It's got to be God. All right. First part of spiritual growth is seeing God the Father as a little child sees their papa. Second is seeing Christ in us with no separation. And the third one is seeing Christ in everyone, which, of course, he is in everyone, and we are all connected. John fourteen twenty, the night before he died, Jesus told the people who were there with him, he says, there's going to come a day, and on that day you will realize I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I am in you. And then the Apostle Paul went on to teach us, and you're going to realize that that's true of everybody. Now, Jesus himself progressed, grew in grace. We tend to forget that. Luke wrote this at Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God. Favor with God is the word charis, grace. Sometimes it's translated favor. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Jesus increased in grace, and he increased relationally with people, with men and women. So here's sort of the bottom take-home line from what we've learned about these four stages of spiritual growth. First, we've got to see God as our loving Papa to even begin with, see him as he really is, as love and live in complete awe and adoration of God, which is impossible if you fear God. Second, to see that's true about God for you. And then third, to see that that's true about God for everybody, that Christ is in us all. He loves us all, and he's Papa to all of us. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians five sixteen. he says, all right, now that we got this, the love of Christ compels us. And from now on, we got a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances, for that's how he once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him or anyone with limited human insight. So we realize that Christ is in us and in everyone. Baxter Kruger, who I interviewed here on this podcast a few weeks ago, said the beginning of knowledge is seeing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you and in everyone. He said, until you see and realize that, you don't even start to see what really is. You're not yet seeing as Christ is, and you won't really experience grace or certainly only to a very limited degree. Until we see and realize that the Trinity is in us and everyone, and Jesus did that, not us, we're not even really going to begin knowing. We might get some intellectual knowledge. We might memorize some verses about grace, but we're not going to experience grace and the riches of grace that God lavished upon us before he ever even created us. All right, back to Ephesians 4 to wrap this up. Paul says, these grace ministries will function until we all attain 
And that doesn't mean to achieve. It actually means come into awareness of an action from the past until we all come into awareness of the action from the past that we are all one in the faith. And we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. There's only one faith, the faith of Christ. And oneness is not something we work and mature and eventually achieve. Oneness is coming into the awareness of our relationship with the Trinity and everyone. And then Paul closes that by saying, finally, we become one perfect person with the full dimension of spiritual maturity. As Jesus is, so are we. And fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And he says, then our immaturity will end. And we won't be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we'll remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth or speak the truth in love. And then as Peter wraps that up, as I mentioned earlier in Second Peter 3.18, continue to grow in grace, increase in God's grace and intimacy and knowledge with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are all kinds of wonderful reasons to grow in grace and equally as many reasons why you would not want to not grow in grace. Hope this has been encouraging, everybody. See you next time as we grow in grace on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.